Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1546. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and very excited to share with you today a guest calling in from Westchester, Ted Wentz. Ted Wentz III is CEO of Quadratech, one of the largest and most well-known off-road parts and accessories retailers and distributors. Quadratech is a family-owned business. It was started back in 1990 by Ted's father. They are celebrating their 30th anniversary here in 2020. Congratulations, Prior to his current role, Ted was the president and CEO of Firecraft, a retailer distributor of outdoor cooking equipment. Earlier in his career, he worked for Quadratrek and partook in their leadership development program with a focus on strategy, marketing, customer service, and fulfillment. While working for Toyota Motor Sales Marketing Department, Ted gained a valuable OEM experience there that he's brought forward to his role today. Finally, while serving our nation at the Department of Homeland Security, Ted learned the strategies and tactics needed to be successful on Capitol Hill's complex battleground. Oh my gosh, talk about a complex battleground. I'm sure we want to even go there today. (laughs) Well, we'll be back in a minute to talk with Ted, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars Yeah! possible. We'll be right back. You know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat protectors are easy on, easy off designs that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks. Their seat savers are custom tailored to fit your seats just like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn a lot more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark Green at Cars Yow sent you. By the way, I've got a deal for you. You can get 10% off using the code YEAH120. That's Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout. Go to Covercraft.com, use the code YEAH120, and get 10% off today. Covercraft, they've got you covered. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car or or if you have 200 in your garage. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get an exclusive SCM guide to restoration shops included for free. And I've got a couple very cool offers. One is if you go and subscribe to their digital subscription, you're going to get 50% off using the code cars yeah that's right 50% off their digital subscription but wait that's not all if you go and subscribe and get their print magazine and use the code bsh you get $10 off 
That's right, $10 off. Why BSH? Well, that's the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast that I do every Tuesday with Keith Martin. You'll find it here on the Cars yeah! website or using your mobile device with any mobile device podcast app, or you can find it at sportscarmarket.com. That's Buy, Sell, Hold, the essence of collecting. Hey, Ted, welcome to Cars yeah! Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled in. I got my helmet on and I'm ready to rock. All right. Well, these days we need some tight seat belts and helmets to protect ourselves from what's going on. But we're going to have some fun today talking about you and your life and your business. But first, would you tell our listeners maybe one little thing that most people don't know about Ted Wentz? Ah, let's see. Well, in a previous life when I worked in the government, I actually was in charge of pandemic planning for oh my a large, large part of the uh, Department of Homeland Security. And you know now it's very, very strange to be watching this when I was so deep in that. That was a, that was a long time ago. But interesting, interesting to see some of what we worked on back then playing out now. Oh, my gosh. That must be almost surreal for you. Because obviously when you plan for disasters like a pandemic, who would have thought five weeks ago we'd be in the middle of this? You plan for the worst and expect the best, of course, for that great quote. Are there any things without diving too deep into this that you're seeing that you actually worked on that you're kind of going, wow, that's kind of working? Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty far removed from the, the nitty gritty of what's really going on in the government. And you know, I'm sort of a consumer of this uh, and a survivor of this, like everyone else listening. But right. I know that uh, quite a few of the folks that I used to work with are s- still do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, my my heart goes out to them. And I and I think they're doing a great job and doing everything they can to try to keep us safe and, and keep us functioning as a, as a society, which was a huge part of the planning. How do we keep going? Right. And keep people eating and keep uh, the hospitals running and keep the the lights on and the water flowing. And so, you know, I think it's really, really been inspiring that most of those things are still happening as they should, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, in sort of a dark time, I think uh, a little bit of a light there. Well, I sure hope so. And I always try to look at the silver lining in any storm and Talked with many guests here in the past couple of weeks who, like you, your business is now operating pretty much everybody from home, right? We are. We are. So everybody that can work remotely is. And, uh, you know, a big part of our business is fulfillment. And obviously those folks cannot work from home. Right. And we're doing everything we can to keep them safe and healthy. But yes, we went from very, very few of us working remotely to you know, a gigantic part of the company. And we did that all in the span of a week. And I got to say, our IT team did an amazing job moving very quickly with that. This is one of the things, and I mentioned there are silver linings and dark clouds, is I hope that one of the positive things that comes out of this is more and more businesses realize that there are perhaps their associates, employees, whatever you, you call the folks you work with, that they can work from home. Because when you think about it, the impact on even 20, 25% of our workforce not having to drive into an office every day, the impact on roadways, 
cars being serviced and repaired, uh, pollution those cars put out, and also those hours lost during the commute that people could now spend at home with family or exercising or uh, self-enriching or whatever they might be doing, cooking a little better, fancier meal, maybe instead of fast takeout. Maybe that will come and also employers will realize that, you know what, I can trust my folks to, to be at home and, and do the right thing. Yeah, Mark, I think you're, I think you're spot on. There, I don't think there's any way we go back to the way it was right as a as a society and we talk about this as a as an organization that we're seeing big increases in efficiency yes from everyone but at the same time we're seeing struggles with communication so yeah how do we how do we as we go back to uh some sense of normal at some point how do we blend all this together and get better communicating but remain efficient and i, I think it's going to be some sort of a uh, a balance between working remotely and coming in, uh, but you're you're right. I don't I don't envision a scenario where, especially at our business, every single person gets in the car every morning and, and comes into work. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I sure hope those things happen. I, I think about particular maybe single parents that have children, and when those children are sick and they have to stay home, they're sitting there all day twiddling their thumbs while their child is most of the time if they're sick they're in bed and they're resting, and that's where they should be when they're ill. And the fact that you could stay home and work and communicate with coworkers and not go, oh, tomorrow when I go in or the next day, I've got all this work to catch up on. They can be doing it while they're home. And I truly believe for most employees, they'll actually probably work more hours if they're home. I know I work from home now for the last six years, and boy, I sure work more hours. I worked a lot of hours <laughs> before where the company I was because I was running it, of course. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's going to be some benefits here on the end that'll be really great. I just had uh, on the show some people from the Peterson Museum, and they're, they're putting all their efforts into virtual tours. Uh, I see mm. uh, the day we're recording your show here is a Friday, and tomorrow I've got two cars and coffees that I'm going to that I won't even be at, but they're asking me to send in videos and be a part of it so they can put this virtual cars and coffee together so people can still share their vehicles, share a quick comment or two, and try to stay connected. So there's going to be a lot of innovation, I believe, that happened from this. But let's get back to Quadratech, you and your business. I would love for you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has great meaning for you. So grab the wheel. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think for me, it's as a leader of an organization, for me, it's to be uh, humble enough to let the experts be experts, but expert enough to hold your own with the experts. You know, I've, I've tried to, to do that over a variety of leadership positions over the years. And what I mean by that is uh, I, don't, I don't need to know everything and I don't need to accomplish everything that we have folks in our organization or, or you know, most organizations where they are really good at what they do, right? Yes, yeah. And let them be really good at what they do. Mm. Don't get in the way of that uh, just because it feels good. At the same time, you have to be knowledgeable enough to, to hold your own with them and know when they're going down a good path and going down a bad path and, and really to garner their respect. So yeah. I've lived that, or at least attempted to live that mantra through leadership over the years, and so far it's worked out for me. Well, it's an important lesson for any leader to learn, and it enables your business to scale and grow in ways that you can't even imagine. 
I know way early in my career, thinking in a very narrow mindset when I was quite young of like, how does somebody have three businesses? I mean, how could you, how could you, have, <laughs> how could you have that yeah. much time? And then of course you fast forward to knowledge that you and I have today. And you think of somebody like a Roger Penske who, oh, I'll just add to my life and I'm in my 70s, I'll buy a little racetrack and add sure. that to my portfolio. And you think, okay, this is a guy that has figured out how to run multiple businesses by hiring really strong people. And as you said, get out of the way and let them do their job. Oh, so powerful. So powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great mantra. Great way to go through life. And that's how you grow a business for sure. Well, let's talk a lot more about QuadraTech and about what this business is all about, what you guys are all about, the types of products you distribute and and get people out there having fun in their vehicles. So tell us about QuadraTech and what has you excited about your business aside from pandemics today. Yeah, well, so we are, we are, as you said in your intro, we're a family business. My dad started the business in, in 1990, and it's our 30th anniversary. Which Congratulations. Is yeah, awesome. it's really exciting. Happy birthday. Uh, Yay. It's funny. Uh, there's, you know, the mail. So we are, we started as a mail order company, mm -hmm. and we mailed catalogs out to potential customers and customers, uh, mostly Jeep parts and accessories. And we did, we did a couple other vehicles too. It's funny, uh, Grio's Garage, who's oh, yeah. <laughs> similar, similar model, different industry. They started the same year we did. Yeah, yeah. I was back there part of that beginning. Uh, yeah, I joined Richard back when it was just three of us in that business, basically. And uh, so mail order catalog, I know that business very well. Yeah, Richard and his family, they're celebrating that their their success this year, too, and, and very happy for them. So we, we, we were a mail order company for years, did nothing else really other than that. And now we've We've expanded. We're, we're an e-commerce company. We're an event marketing company. We're not really a brick and mortar company. Mm -hmm. And our focus is definitely Jeep and off-road. So for many years, we only sold other brands. Uh, and now we have our own brands as well. So it's exciting. It's a, it's a growing market. It's full of passionate folks. Uh, we love it because in a world where modern cars are getting harder to work on, you know, the Jeep is, is designed to be worked on and taken oh, yeah. apart back together. So there's so much fun to be had there, so much passion, and it's, you know, it's every part of the country. Yeah, uh, yeah. We feel very fortunate to be a part of it. Well, congratulations and a big happy birthday. It takes a lot of effort to remain in business for as long as you guys have. And having uh, run a business for many years that was a direct mail catalog company, I, I understand all the facets and different sides of that, which are fascinating. It was a great learning lesson for me. And I'm familiar with some of your products. I, I've never had a Jeep, but my next door neighbor, uh, he just sold one not too long ago and uh, bought a Raptor. Uh, pickup mm. truck, but he had, yeah, he let me drive that thing. Oh man, that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's not a pickup truck. That's something different, but he had uh, many products. He, he was a customer of yours and uh, always spoke very highly of Quadratech and uh, loved his Jeep. And I know Jeep owners, oh my gosh, they love their vehicles. And the fact that you can do so many custom things to them that Ford Raptor he bought is kind of already customized out. There's not a lot more you could do unless you really want to take it to some crazy extreme level. But congratulations again for what you guys have built. Uh, what's the favorite part of your business for you over the years uh, being involved? I mean, you've been involved in so many businesses, but what, what kind of uh, tickles your fancy, as they say, that gets you up every morning to do the things that you do? Yeah, great, great question. I mean, obviously, I'm a car guy, right? Like many of us in this industry. And so... I love the cars themselves. I love the parts. I love the accessories. I love playing with all that stuff. 
And that's sort of a bonus, to be honest. What, what really gets me out of bed and keeps me going is the team. It's the people. Mm-hmm. And, and being a part of that one plus one equals three thing that happens when a team gets together and, and works together and succeeds together and fails together and learns from that. So I love that challenge. I love leading teams. I love watching others succeed. And that's what makes the, the whole thing so special for me. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that can ever end, right? So no. as soon as you get to one plateau, then you shoot for the next one. And it's exciting and really, really drives me. Well, especially when you get into producing, uh, designing, producing, and selling your own parts with your brand on it. That's a huge part of what we built when I was at Grio's Garage was uh, branding our products. And, of course, in the car care line, uh, producing those products ourselves and developing them. Uh, was really fun, and you learned a whole lot of stuff. Uh, you learned a lot about intercommunications with those customers who are using those products, uh, whether it be right or wrong. And that was always the, the challenge. <laughs> this stuff doesn't work. Well, did you read the instructions? There's instructions? Well, yeah, yeah. The back yeah. of the bottle. Yeah, just read it. So, uh, yeah, there's always a lot to learn. Well, you said you made a great comment there, challenges. Uh, segue into my next question, and that is, Walk us through a big challenge that you faced in the past, even a big failure. And the reason I like to bring this up is so that we can all learn from that. Uh, obviously, if you look at these challenges and failures as learning opportunities, it's a lot easier to get through them and not make that mistake again. So walk us through one of those experiences, a part of your life, whether it be business or personal, whatever it is. What was the positive side, the learning lesson that helped you come out in a positive way in the other end? Yeah. When I was younger, I wanted to go to college at the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, I was not from Virginia. Obviously, I'm up, I'm up in Pennsylvania. And uh, I went down, oh, just fell in love with the place. And like most, you know, teenagers at that point, I thought I knew everything and, you know, worked within the school system and, and hadn't really realized at that point that, hey, you're only, you're only as good as, as how good you are, right? Didn't get in and couldn't believe I didn't get in. And it was that moment in life where I realized, hold on a second, I'm not just cruising along through a system here. I've got to step up and, and go get the things I want to get. And right. it was tough. I spent a year going to a different school and, and I did eventually go to University of Virginia and uh, get to graduate from there. But man, that was a humbling experience. Yes. It it really embossed on my soul the need to to prove yourself and the need to to do the things you want to do and enjoy them as you do them. But you you can't just sit there and wait for things to come to you. If you don't go get them, nobody's going to hand them to you. You know, absolutely. And you talk about humbling. I always found school fairly easy to get A's. I worked hard, but I don't know if it wasn't challenging me that much, but I always found it easy to to get straight A's on my report cards. And then when I went off to college, all of a sudden I'm in an extremely competitive situation. And I remember getting my first C. And I'm like, Mm. oh my gosh, I failed. This is horrible. I mean, I, I was so... Like, what happened? I remember going in to talk to the professor and like, what did I do wrong? I've never gotten a C in my life. And he looked at me and he said, time to put your big boy pants on. <laughs> and, yeah. and I said, what? And he said, well, uh, obviously you're, you're smart enough, but you know, you need to work harder. And maybe you never got pushed very hard in high school and you didn't have to work that hard to get A's, but here you do. And I, and I remember he, he really did me a service. He said, and when you get out of college, 
you really have to learn that lesson. You better learn it here because otherwise you end up getting fired. Great advice. And I'm, I'm very lucky to have gotten that experience when I was so young, right? Because yes, yeah. I think anybody who's successful learns that lesson at some point. And, you know, I think it's a lot easier to learn that lesson when you're 18 or 19 years old than it is when you're 25 or 30 or 35. Well, so I'm, sure. yeah. I'm, I'm very, very lucky that I got that then. And, you know, it's never, it's never fallen off my radar. Yeah. It's a great lesson to learn young. It helped me quite a bit too. Let's take a short break. Thank our sponsors and we will be right back. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. We are back, and I would love for you to share a story that instigated this personal passion that you have for cars. You mentioned you're a car guy. You always have been. So what was that pivotal moment in your life when you knew this was a life for you? So I was, again, pretty young, but we're going to go back really young. Uh-huh. And um, I'm a little kid, and my father, who started the business, is a huge car guy. And he had a uh, he had an old Triumph TR4A for oh, all you British. I love those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you know we would work on that every weekend, and probably at some point that was more being told to than asked to. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, there are pictures of me, and I remember this. And this was sort of the moment: is sitting in the driver's seat of that, and he had his old racing helmet because he raced cars. Uh, very successfully. Oh wow! And I and I'm sitting in the TR4A with the gloves and the helmet on, making the noises. And I I think it was pretty apparent to me and and everybody around us that this was going to be my one of my big passions. And I can still remember the smell of sitting in that car. It's just oh. a wonderful smell that '60s cars have. Yeah, that, at that point, it was uh, the the path was paved. <laughs> it, was going, it was going to be car stuff. 
A neighbor across the street had one of those. My regular listeners are going to have to hear this story again. Sorry, folks. Uh, He had one and he wanted to sell it and I wanted it so bad. It was in the 70s, mid 70s. I was just getting my driver's license. And I remember my dad saying, well, do you want a car you're going to be working on all the time or a car that you can actually drive? Uh, Because my dad had British cars when he was young. He had a 49 MGTC. And I ended up getting a Gia uh, instead, and that TR4 was sold to a friend of mine, and that thing blew up and never got <laughs> driven again. The, the poor British, they get picked on so much for those old cars, but uh, there's a reason for that. They, oh. they were good for tinkering on, that's for sure. But I love the looks of that car. Oh, I still, to this day, have always thought, man, that or an Austin Healey, uh, even an MG, maybe an MGA twin cam, or even the TC, although... I did get to drive one a couple years ago, and I went. I don't think so. <laughs> They're beautiful. Yeah, they were. They were. I mean, all the classic Lucas Electric stories—they're all true. Yeah. And corrosion, and you name it. I that that one had a giant hole in the in the passenger side floor. Oh gosh. And <laughs> you could watch the road go by. Yeah. It was a, you know, Flintstone car. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But man, it was fun, and I loved it. And. uh yeah, wish we still had it. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about your first really special car, the first car in your life that you owned that you felt like, man, I always wanted this thing. I've got it now. So for me, it's my first car. And I, I've always lived the the no boring cars mantra, right? Uh-huh. And so I, I've always, you know, even if, you know, they were uh, not in the greatest shape or the most expensive, never, never went for a boring car. But my, I think the car that, most speaks to me from my life is the 1989 uh, Wrangler that we we still have actually. Wow! So my dad bought that car in '89, and it was part of his starting the business. It's really what inspired him to to choose Jeep as an industry, and it was a, it's like a khaki colored Sahara edition. Okay. And when I was 16, it was mine for I got it for two years, and oh man. I mean, what, what more could a 16 year old boy ask for than a drop top Wrangler, right? Oh yeah. uh, With five speed and man, we had so much fun with that car. Some things we shouldn't have done and some things we, uh, (laughs) we, we did that were, were what every teenage boy does. But what's really cool is that we still have it. So I I got to, I got to live that whole experience with that car and now I can jump back in it. And I'm 16 years old again yeah. for an hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're, we're so lucky because that's post uh, galvanized dip bodies and all that stuff. So the things held up very, very, very well. And uh, I just took it for a ride the other day, actually. Do you know how many people, Ted, I've had on the show that wish they still had that first car? Mm. Yeah. So you're very lucky you've hung on to it because most people have to let them go to buy something else or they just get tired and move on or whatever. But your thoughts always go back and you just said it. It's why so many people love old cars is it takes them back in time to something special to their youth, something they wish they could have had when they were young. And the fact that you still have that thing. Awesome. That's uh, that's very, very cool. Here's a bit of a an odd question, an introspective question. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle actually manifest as a car, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, what would Ted Wentz be and why? So that, that's, a, that's a dangerous question, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's garnered some very odd answers, that's for sure. 
Yeah, you know, I think my answer's boring, which unfortunately probably means that I'm boring. No, I don't think so. I've got an old, right now I've got an old BMW 5 Series, and I drove it to work, uh, I don't know, maybe last year, and one of my employees came up to me and said, you know, I think that car is you. So I'm, I'm going to go with that as the answer. Okay. Now the why, you know, I, I didn't ask him why, and I probably should have, but I think it, it is... You know, it's a fairly buttoned up vehicle Uh and it's practical and it's sort of conservative, but man, you can really rip in it, right? (laughs) Oh yeah. Now what year is yours? So mine's an 03. So mine's an E39. Or E30, 39. Okay. E39 and it's analog and I'm definitely an analog guy, Uh but I can, I can strap the kids in it and we can, uh, we can hang the back end out and scream up to the red lines. That's uh, <laughs> that's kind of how I like to live life, right? Yeah, I've been a big BMW fan forever. I've had four M3s and mm. uh, really enjoyed those cars. And I remember the first time I drove a M5. Oh, my gosh. It was like the power just never stopped. I finally had to lift because I was going too fast. Oh, my gosh, this thing is incredible. But the 5 Series is wonderful. And that whole era, mine's an 05 M3 that I ordered new and I still have today. Nice, nice. I just, I can't let that thing go. It's just, it does everything that you want. If you want to take it to the track, you hit the sport button, put some slicks on it and you can have some fun or you can go get coffee or uh, commute in it or go fast on a nice ramp or something. And yeah, they're great. So BMW has done a great job. And I love that whole era of car uh, before uh, Bengal, uh, design yeah, kind of got yeah. in and nothing again against Chris. He's been a guest here. He just went in a whole nother direction. And I just, I like that older boxier clear square cut side to the car. Yeah. I, I respect what Chris did and how innovative he was. It's, it's not my flavor, but I'm lucky to have one of those last ones. Mine's an M5 and uh, it, oh, it's my. Oh, so yours is an M. It is an M5. Yep. Well, I, okay. I well, that changes it. the whole thing. Of course. <laughs> I, I figured it was a the it was not an M. An M. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, now we're right. talking. Yeah, because like I said, I, I've driven those and they're just killer. I mean, killer. Oh, you gotta have the you gotta have the hot sauce version. Of I mean, course. That's, that's yeah. The whole point. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. All right. We're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that M5 throttle. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you think has contributed to your successes over the years? Uh, I am annoyingly relentless. (laughs) Persistent, tenacious, bulldog. Yep. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing to have. How about uh, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Uh, That's JPM, Juan Pablo Montoya. Ah, And why is that? Ah, I think he's one of the last real racers. Yeah. And he, he says what's on his mind and he's there to race and, uh, you know, he'll walk away from something when it's not fun anymore and he's blindingly fast. So yeah. I'm loved it. I'd love to hear what JPM has to say. No kidding. How about the best automotive advice someone else has ever given to you? What was that? Mm, never use an open-ended wrench. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't want to gum up those fasteners. That's for sure. I learned that lesson a long time ago, <laughs> for sure. And it was while bleeding brakes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you don't want to mess that up. How about a great resource for listeners to go to? Something that you are really fond of that you'd like to share? Mm, a resource. You know, I think as a supporter of SEMA, uh, I think SEMA market research is, for those in the industry, 
especially the automotive aftermarket industry, is is not utilized as much as it should be. Uh-huh. Uh, there's some rich stuff there, and so you know, go SEMA. I think they do a great job with that, and I would I would point people to that. Absolutely. And is there a book you've read recently that you think our listeners now that many people are have a little bit of downtime, perhaps they're at home, they should crack open and read? Yeah, I recently read a book about a year ago called The Billionaire and the Mechanic. It was the story of how Larry Ellison, the, the founder and CEO of Oracle, won the America's Cup and his odd and sort of offbeat way of doing that. But it's a great story about how to be successful and how to manage teams and balance friendship and leadership in a, you know, in a world that is highly complex and very competitive. And it's just a a fun read too, for people that are into cars and boats and planes and all, all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah. Great book. The author of that book is Julian Guthrie and um, yeah, excellent book. And you think about the competitiveness and the machinery in America's cup sailing it's mind-boggling it really is it's over the top insanity i think the money and and the technology of these beautiful sailing vessels and the speed and the teamwork needed there's the other part of teamwork oh my gosh you watch those guys Mm -hmm. race those things and how fast they operate and how they have to work together is they're almost like a bunch of people being cylinders in a car all working at just the right moment the right time at least the ones that are successful yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed the book. I didn't. Somebody had given it to me. I didn't really know what it was, what it was going to be about, or what to expect. And I've, I've been recommending it ever since. Excellent book. Well, I'll remind our, our listeners here: you can go to Ted's show notes page on the Carja website. Type in Ted Wentz, W E N T Z, and you'll find a link to that book, "The Billionaire and the Mechanic." And also, there are almost 1,600 plus books listed under my resources tab. All the incredible books that my inspiring automotive enthusiasts have referred here. I've made it really easy for you to click and buy all those books. So check it out. It's a wonderful resource. All right. We are up to the checkered flag here, Ted. Mm. I asked all my guests this question to see where their mindset is today. I call it a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a collector car today. Any collector car on the planet. You're welcome. Happy to do it. Uh, I'm going to park it in your garage, but there are some rules to the game since I am writing the check. Uh, Mm. It's the only one collector car you can have. That means you got to get rid of everything else you have. So it needs to tick all the boxes. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So that little trick's off the table. Mm. What can I buy for Ted Wentz today? Um, I would say just taking the nod for me would be a Williams FW14. So that is an early 90s Formula One car. Oh. From the V10 era. That's the that's the car that Nigel Mansell won, yeah. uh, uh, won championships with. And it was really the last, you know, the very end of that era of cars before they got very digital. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, I could spend the rest of my life trying to master that thing and still not get there. So <laughs> why, why not do that? I'm a, I'm a racer. I'm a road racer. And to me, that is the, the ultimate road racing car. So I, I'd stick one of those in my garage. And, and thanks for the, uh, the gift. You're welcome. Yeah, Nigel Mansell, what, he won, I think, the 92 Drivers' Championship in that car. He did. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. That era, 
is so special. And if you ever had the opportunity, you probably did. I got to attend some of those races and, and listen to those things go by. Designed by uh, Newey, Adrian Newey. It was. Yeah, it Williams. was. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's a beautiful. It, to me, it's one of those quintessential looking F1 cars from back when. Really was. It was wide and it was yeah. a handful. And yeah, Adrian Newey and Patrick Head designed that car. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, I would, uh, I'd love to have one. <laughs> so now do you do some racing then? I do. And you know what, right now I do mostly, uh, fathering and running the company, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, there, there was a time when I raced SCCA oh, cool. uh, and I was involved in the BMW club before that. So I, I still have my race car, but it mostly, uh, it mostly collects dust these days, unfortunately. Well, I understand. I used to race vintage cars and, oh, uh, what'd you race? A 1960 Lotus. 18 formula junior and a 67 yep. lola t290 sports racer so i have a spec racer ford oh, okay cool and yeah. i had a lot of fun with that and then my father a huge racer and he still has uh he still has his formula b a, a brabham so oh oh yeah nice. yep oh yeah awesome awesome well i understand yeah life and things uh get in the way for me you know had kids and then college coming and all that so the racing uh as i say the sponsorship dried up and went to another direction uh, <laughs> but uh, but at least i got to do it for about uh, 10 or 11 years so that was really cool well you picked a really unique car and I i'm even happier because a lot of times you think of a vintage formula one car is going to sit and just be admired but uh, there is that Formula One vintage Formula One series where they do race. Yep, yep. Yeah, expensive series. Holy cow. But super fun. I love watching them at Monaco when you've got everything from the old cars up to the newer cars. And they're spectacular. So I'd be happy to park that car uh, in your garage. You have taken us on a fun ride today. A little bit of off-road, a little bit of on track, which I thought was a fun way to go through the, the show here. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Before I let you go, though, could you offer us maybe... One little parting piece of wisdom or guidance or encouragement before you rip off down the track in that FW14. Yeah, I mean, I would say in this day and age, it's move fast. We, we've gotten to a point where we experience change in the business world at a rate that, you know, for what used to take five years now takes six months. Yeah. So I feel like those that are going to be successful are the ones that somehow have figured out how to adapt that quickly. Yep. which is not easy to do. And I am certainly not saying I have, but I think those that can move fast are those that, that will be ahead. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to keep up with and learn more about Quadratech? Yeah, I mean, that, that's an easy one. Quadratech.com is our website. And it's a great resource for not only finding Jeep parts and accessories, but keeping up on, on the latest Jeep trends and we have a we have a YouTube channel that uh, we do quite a bit of video with that's full of not only product explanations but off roading 101 and how to how to work on your Jeep how to tackle some of the problems you see. Cool. Uh, all of that is accessible through Quadratech.com. So I would highly recommend going that way. Awesome. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Ted Show Notes page so you can find it. If you love off road vehicles, you love Jeeps, you want to have the best products, Quadratech. That's where you need to go. Oh, by the way, before I let you go, Ted, a little mouse told me that you're running for the SEMA board. Is that true? It is. It is indeed true. That election is coming up next month. You know, SEMA SEMA has been a wonderful organization for me and my family and our business. And this opportunity came up 
And it, it seems like this is a chance to give back potentially to, to an organization that we've, we've gotten so much from. And so um, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. Campaigns are certainly uh, exciting and challenging, and, and I think that's the road we're going down. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the experience, and hopefully it works out in a way that I can, uh, I can get in there and help an organization that I think everyone in our industry recognizes how important it really is. Well, congratulations for that. And I wish you the best success. You know, I love SEMA. I've been attending SEMA for so many years. I believe this year will be my 32nd year going to SEMA, Mm. which is insane when you think about it. And watching how SEMA has grown over the years, it's just phenomenal. Uh, I remember the first show going to it and walking all those halls thinking, man, this is a huge show. And you look back now and it was nothing compared to where it's gone from now. So big. And it's, it's hard to, I mean, I'm into so many different kinds of cars, right? So it's, it's a work show for me and, but it could easily be a week of just playing too. So it's, it's hard to strike that balance. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, it used to be a, a pure work show for me. Now it's really a networking show for me to go and meet people and hopefully find sponsors for what I'm doing and just be a part of it and get to enjoy all the vehicles, which I used to have to kind of race by and go, well, that was nice. I wish I could come back and look at that, but I'll never make it. So uh, is fantastic. So we wish you the best success. Ted, thanks for being so generous today with your time your expertise and for sharing your experience with our listeners. Keep safe, my friend. We will all get through this. All you listeners out there that are uh, having to deal with this right now, it will get behind us. It will get better. Keep the faith. Spend some time with your family and your friends, uh, even if it's through a Zoom meeting or Skype like (laughs) we're doing today or whatever it might be. Uh, Use this downtime to reload who you want to be in your life and be inspiring to others. Until you and I talk again, Ted, I'll see you down the road. Thanks very much, Mark. This was fun. Oh, I had a, I had a blast. Thanks awesome. For having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!